We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. This is the LakersNation.com podcast. My name is Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. The Lakers are finally back. Most of you are probably listening to this Friday, hopefully Friday morning-ish, getting some Lakers in to start your day. We've got Lakers versus Clippers tonight. The All-Star break is over, so we've got a lot to dive into, a lot of things to discuss, plus the lingering LeBron versus the Lakers thing to talk about. We're also going to crack open the mailbag and take some questions and comments as well. Joining me, Sean Davis, who does all the great video breakdowns for us. Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. I'm kind of glad that the All-Star break is over, and so this whole LeBron thing can be over. I feel like that was the... uh, like it, we're in the middle of the season. I don't think this thing is as blown out of proportion as this. But glad we're back to some Lakers action tomorrow. The LeBron thing, just to kind of put a bone. I don't want to even spend a bunch of time on the LeBron thing because if it feels like it's just been beaten to death. And part of it is it's been the All Star break, so everybody's been covering it like crazy. There, in fact, there were a few updates that came out to it that normally I probably would have done a breakdown of like, okay, this is what this means for the story moving forward and all that. But we just, we've talked about it so much. I didn't want to get into it. I think what's come out recently has been clutch sports kind of pushing back. We heard that from Shams Tarania, that the, the notion that they have an issue with Rob Palenka, but that's the beauty of passive aggressive comments is they offer deniability. You could say, what? That's not what we meant at all. Right? So I think that with what's come out, You've got Clutch pushing back a little bit uh, about this this situation, this idea that they've got a problem with what Rob Pelinka did at the trade deadline. Uh, you've got the comment from a Lakers staffer reportedly that said this felt like the first part of a war or something, which obviously, given what's going on in the world, that was terrible timing for a comment yeah. like that. Obviously, thoughts with with everyone in in Ukraine right now, and, and that's and that's part of the other reason why we didn't do a video on that with with everything that's been going on. Uh, I felt like we needed to take the bulk of the day yesterday, Thursday, and just kind of take in what's what's happening around the world right now. But in any event, um, as far as the LeBron thing goes, where I land on it is essentially with what Brian Windhorst said, which no surprise, he, he is as tuned in to LeBron as possible, I think, 
I think that LeBron probably is a little frustrated with the Lakers that they didn't make a move in the trade deadline, but I also think that ultimately LeBron wants to be a Laker and he wants the Lakers to make moves this offseason and this latest flurry from LeBron of, of these comments were designed to put a little pressure on the Lakers to get something done this offseason. Will this become a thing again? Maybe, but we'll have to find out what the Lakers do in July. And that's that's where I want to leave things with this. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good approach there, Trevor. And again, kind of like I said, if it wasn't the All Star break, uh, which you guess kind of like just weird timing, um, and and if it wasn't the All Star break, I think we would have just taken it as that, like okay, LeBron is obviously a little frustrated about the Lakers not making any moves at the deadline, and because of that, he said those comments kind of to put a little pressure on the front office to hey, I mean, we can't do it now, but in the off season, let's go, like let's pick it up a bit and again now you could also make an argument some of these questions would not have been asked if it wasn't the all-star break so again just the timing of everything um so th if it's not the all-star break we're talking about this sort of day two days tops and then the lakers play they blow up a big league and we're depressed about that so yeah that that's just my whole thing it's not a big deal to me um and lebron's lebron so it is what it is Sure, it's, I mean, it's a good point, right? He's not being asked if he would be open to returning to Cleveland unless he's in <laughs> Cleveland for the All-Star game. So, true, yeah, the, the timing definitely worked out to make this about as, as sensational as, as some could make it. But I do want to talk about the Lakers actually getting back out on the floor and where we should start, I think, is an injury update. And yeah. we talked to Frank Vogel today, um, got a chance to, he, had a, he did a media availability after practice today, actually doing one tomorrow during shoot around as well, which is, or after shoot around, which is kind of rare. Usually you don't see media availabilities after shoot around, but in any event, we got an update injury wise. Here's the update. This is what we know right now in terms of the players who are injured. Anthony Davis, of course, we know he's out. No question, right? Four to six weeks. That's still what we're hearing. But Vogel did mention that he's been up moving around the practice facility. No crutches, anything like that. So, look, he also said he's got a long way to go. It's kind of a nothing update. Yes, yes. He's a ways away. It's a nothing update, but just nice to hear that he's not on, on crutches, right? Okay, so there's, there's that. <clears throat> on top of that, Kendrick Nunn. Frank Vogel said they are ramping up Kendrick Nunn once again, and they're going to see how his knee feels. Now, again, we've heard... Late March, maybe, when Kendrick Nunn is going to eventually play for the Lakers. I know a lot of Lakers fans right now are frustrated at this point, saying we're probably never going to see him this season. And frankly, if it's late March, if there's any kind of a setback at all, that's it. Season's probably over for him because we, we're, we're out of runway. There's no more room to get him in there. So that's the update, though. They are going to ramp things up with him. In terms of guys that we've been kind of expecting to play, Avery Bradley out against the Clippers. He will still not play. Obviously, he was dealing with a knee issue. The All-Star break was not enough to take care of that. He is still out, although Frank Vogel did specify he's going to be listed as day-to-day. -day. And this is the big one that I want to throw to you, Sean. Carmelo Anthony, probable to play. With Anthony Davis out, how big of a deal is it to get Carmelo Anthony now back from that hamstring issue? Oh, it's huge. And... uh it's kind of like an analytics thing that shows, I, I was trying to find it, who has the best spacing on the Lakers. It's kind of weird. It could have been kind of like figuring out how you can kind of evaluate that. Carmelo Anthony, take this as you will, has like the best spacing. Or he provides the best spacing, analytically speaking, on the Lakers. Um, I, again, it's kind of hard to evaluate, but 
He he's second on the team in three point percentage, and just his ability on the floor uh, as a leader, as a vocal leader, and when he's on the floor, man, you always have to be wary. And if you pair him with Malik Monk on the floor, you still have LeBron James, and I mean maybe even Austin Reeves lineup. I'm kind of getting hypothetical here, but. It's just harder to guard this Lakers offense with Carmelo Anthony on the floor. If you pair him with LeBron, that kind of helps you out a little bit because, I mean, you get to play a lot of LeBron minutes at the five with Anthony Davis out for the foreseeable future, um, which I did break down a couple days ago. Uh, Carmelo Anthony coming back is going to be huge, and it was, and, and rightfully so, it was a stretch of time this season where he was right in the thick of the six-man-of-the-year uh, race there, and he's won a lot of the next men up. He had like a good month stretch where he was going all to That's right. Yeah, Carmelo Anthony has been, as much as we've said, the veteran players have largely not worked out for the Lakers. Carmelo Anthony has he's been the been one. the exception. He has he has been great for them. Um, and I think in terms of Anthony Davis being out, you know your defense is going to take a step back with no AD. So you're going to have to compensate on the offensive end, and Carmelo Anthony can certainly do that. He gets hot. He can drop 15 to 20 points. He can spread a team out like crazy. You mentioned his floor spacing on the offensive end there. He's one of those guys, and I've been talking about this all season. Some guys might have a decent three-point percentage, but they don't shoot a high enough volume to really scare defense as much. Carmelo Anthony is a guy where if if a defense leaves him alone and gives him a foot of space, that shot is going up. That shot is going up if he's got any kind of space at all. So if somebody rotates off of him and the ball gets to Melo, it's a, oh no, we need to get out there to him immediately. Emergency scramble mode for a defense trying to get to Carmelo Anthony. Different when we're talking about, say, an Avery Bradley who hasn't shot well or has shot well percentage wise from three, but doesn't quite have that same kind of gunner mentality that Carmelo does. So the hope is that while he doesn't offer what Anthony Davis does on the defensive end of the floor, certainly it doesn't offer the same overall impact that AD can, he might be able to shoot you into some games that otherwise without him and without AD, you're just, you're dead in the water. Would you consider starting him and maybe go like Malik? You can't do that. Like Russ, maybe Malik, Stanley, Melo, LeBron. I, I think I'd consider Melo getting major minutes. I don't think I would start him. I kind of like him as the gunner off the bench type role. I like seeing mm-hmm. him in that in that role. Um, starting to, it depends on the matchup. It depends on the matchup because going up against some of the yeah. starting caliber players, particularly wings in the NBA, that can be a bit of a task for him. Uh, against the Clippers, could you get away with it? Uh, the Clippers are so good at, at shooting threes and, and finding those open threes. Yeah. I want guys that are going to close out faster. So I don't think I'm starting him there, but I am hoping to get a really nice offensive punch coming off the bench with him. And uh, if it's if he's got it going, which you know pretty early on if Melo has it going or not, if he has it going, I'm probably closing with him as well. Yeah, that's a fair point. And... Uh... To all the people that says, oh, I'm going to start the white. Small ball, it, it, it can work. And Trevor, if you, if you don't mind, I would like to kind of rant about this defense. Sure. And, I, and I kind of tweeted this out. So about the small ball thing, the biggest thing to me and my philosophy or whatever about small ball and rebounding is you see the box out, and it's easier said than done, but that's either way you have to box out. And even with even with Dwight Howard or Anthony Davis at the five, and you're not running the small ball LeBron lineup, 
The Lakers are still, I think, at, at, at 21st in rebounding percentage in the league, and uh, which is not good. And then somehow with the uh, small ball LeBron 5 lineup, and I think it was, I'm not even going to try to make things up in my head, but you get my point. Like, you're not rebounding well anyway with Dwight or AD at the 5. You're 21st in the league at it. So why not just say, hey, you box the heck out and you without sacrificing the space you get on the offensive end of the floor. And I figure we're going to get into this anyway, Trevor, about the defense. The Lakers are, I think, 17th, maybe a 17th or 16th, 16th in the league of defensive rating. A large part of that, there's no, like, yeah, you could say, well, Sean, you hate drop coverage, which I do. It is not because that it's not good pick and roll coverage. I mean, uh, when I was a video coordinator, we ran it for a full season, and it was pretty daggone good. We were the best defense in our conference. Um, but with drop coverage, you have to have great talk with any defense, really, which the Lakers don't have. You have to have great talk. You have to have great positioning off ball. And drop coverage is probably the one thing where off the ball is really, really important. Hedging, well, actually, that's really every, any pick-and-roll defense. That's why the Lakers suck at it. Um, on the weak side, I'm the tag guy and the drop coverage. Um and that's just the Lakers' biggest problem. It's nothing really X's and O's wise. Like they're running schemes that work, whether it's switching. We see teams have effectiveness with that. Uh, drop coverage, it works. The Lakers should suck at it because they don't talk and they're out of position more times than not. I mean, Trevor, the biggest clip that just automatically comes into my head is the Warriors game. Mm. And Russ, uh, LeBron tells Russ to switch on the Kaminga. And Russ stands there, and Kaminga cuts by his right across his face, and he gets a ridiculous dunk, and the chase center goes bananas, right? And it's actually a miracle the Lakers are somehow 16th. I thought this would have been lower. Uh, well, they're tied for 17th with the Knicks. And it's, it's just, you look at, like, for example, the top five teams in defensive rating, the Warriors, Celtics, Suns, Cavs, and Mavs. What they, well, those teams all have great, great defenders, but they – Talk with championship, that championship level talk. That's why a lot of those teams in there have championship aspirations. They have championship level talk. They have good defenders too. But I mean, the Lakers have had stints this season where they played good defense with bad defenders. Like guys getting significant minutes. Melo's not a good defender. Malik Monk, if we're being honest, he's not a good defender. He's improving, as I showed in the most recent Malik Monk breakdown. Um, Russell Westbrook, obviously. They've had stretches and it's capable, but. The biggest thing is you have to have great talk and communication defensively, and you have to be in the right positioning defensively. Because, like, I, I, and this is my last thing, I, I think, for now. If Russ is on the ball, mm-hmm. right, or even if Austin Reeves is on the ball, like his block, for example, right, he was, they were trying to set a screen. He was about to, I think, try to make him reject it. I'm trying to remember the play. And he, he just has crazy positioning, and he gets back. It's a second effort. And when if you get beat off the bounce, that's fine. Or that's better in my opinion. Getting beat off the bounce and having your help there, ready in good position, is better than having an elite on-ball defender have a great possession. But then you have four guys who can't play a lick of off-ball defense, and they're just standing in the blank space. Yeah, backdoor cut, backdoor cut, lob, bang out, dunk. The crowd's going crazy. So that's just my kind of final thing. I'll so you're saying they're not necessarily taking a step back defensively if they do play small? 
No, I, I don't think so. I think now I'm not saying there's games where you'll have to mm-hmm. like, for example, I think they play Phoenix coming up in the next eight games or so. That's a game where I'm like, yeah, you probably want to white plank. I'll start because I don't feel comfortable with LeBron at this age having to go up against the, uh, DeAndre Aiden for a significant amount of that game. But for the most part, I'm like, Braun should play a big part of small ball minutes at the five. Because literally the only argument you have for playing Dwight at, at the five significantly as a starter without AD against, like, for example, they play the Clippers tomorrow. And then it's like Clippers, Pelicans. They, I think I they have Golden State in there. They've, they've got a tough schedule. Golden the State five. in there. Yeah. Like, the only reason you can say is rebounding. But again, the Lakers are a good rebounding team anyway. And they played, and that's with DeAndre Jordan has played five, a lot of five minutes at the start. You have that stretcher AD played a lot of the five. AD goes out. You have some Braun at the five, and you have Dwight. So you have a good chunk of your actual centers playing the five, and you're still not a good rebounding team. And the Lakers were a top 10, 10, a top 10 team in rebounding with AD or Dwight on the floor. To heck with it. Go ahead. But you're not really the you're not reaping the benefits anyway. And you can't play DeAndre Jordan. So, no, go small. I think, you know, we saw small ball have success against the Utah Jazz. I think that it's something that's going to be a necessity because you don't have Anthony Davis. And I don't think that DeAndre Jordan is a realistic option to put on the basketball floor. So that means that if you're going to go big, you're going to be playing Dwight Howard, which that's that's fine. You can do that for certain stretches. But again, I think a lot of this is going to be matchup based. And a lot of people will look at the small ball lineups and say, Mm -hmm. oh, they're getting beat because... It's small ball. It kind of goes against our basketball sensibilities, right? Basketball, in general, most of us growing up, we we learned basketball as the big guys. Those are the guys that matter, right? Those are the guys that are that are going to help your team more than anything else. Those big, strong, powerful guys in the middle, particularly if you're getting scored on at the basket, and those tend to be loud possessions when you get scored on at the rim that's when people get upset people see it it's obvious it's clear and they say oh my gosh that's why we need Dwight in there or if you miss a rebound oh my gosh Dwight needs to be in the game in order to get this get this uh, rebounding issue handled but what you don't notice so much when you go small is the perimeter defense that improves so just because you're a little bit easier to score on at the rim there might be a give and take where your perimeter defense improves because you've got more players who can switch out there, who can stop dribble, dribble penetration before it happens by just sliding and staying in front. Mm-hmm. And that can have an overall net impact on your defense that might be the same as having a big shot blocking presence at the rim. Just if you don't have a shot blocker in there, any basket at the rim stands out like a sore thumb and people will, will hoot and holler about it and be upset about it. The perimeter stuff that's happening isn't it doesn't jump off the screen at you in the same way now i'm not saying that there's not time for a bigger lineup out there i think the matchup wise there's going to be moments where they do need a bigger lineup but i think that just assuming that the lakers lack of success has been oh because small ball just doesn't work i think that's missing a lot of the point and it's missing some of the nuance that playing smaller does bring in especially on the defensive end of the floor because it's not always stuff that you notice when you're watching the game. The stuff defensively that you benefit from when you play small might not necessarily jump off the screen at you the way having a dude who's seven foot that can come flying in to block a shot into the fifth row. That's where you go, oh, great defense. Having a guy that switches the, yeah. the correct way out of pick and roll, that doesn't necessarily jump off the screen in the same way. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and, and humor me here, Trevor, right? So in, in any sport, right, you can have the greatest offense ever, right, but defense is supposed to travel like it. It doesn't matter what sport you're in, right? Your offense is going to have a game. No matter, you can be the greatest offense ever. Your offense is going to have a game where it kind of, you know, not it doesn't perform as well. In football, you know, you get like your defense could. You need your defense. Your defensive football maybe you get defensive turnover to put your offense in the red zone. Baseball maybe your pitcher, your infield, or your fielding can you know just have a great game and give your keep your offense within striking distance. And in basketball, you know, maybe your defense can, you know, just hold the team to a low field goal percentage and keep your offense with a striking distance. Maybe you get some open transition buckets. And I texted you this. The Lakers have lost 11 uh, games this season by one or two possessions or less. In seven of them, in seven of these games, they have allowed over 110 points. And actually, it might be over 115. I'm double-checking right now. But like you see my point. Like if if in these games the Lakers gave up 110 or 105, the Lakers are seven along with the other four games. The Lakers are seven games above 500 instead of four games under 500. And this is a completely different story right now after the All Star break. Sure. Right. That's completely different. Yeah, story. they've had and, and I referenced this earlier when we were when we were talking about the effort that we saw from the team. Uh, what the way they've played recently against Golden State and then against the Utah Jazz got the the positive reinforcement of a win against the Jazz. But we saw a number of games where they just weren't as locked in as they needed to be, and those are probably those games that you're talking about. The games that ended up being close losses, had they been locked in. The narrative around this team is very, very different right now compared to what we saw and probably changes going into the trade deadline where it's a different branch reality that we're talking about if we want to go MCU. Uh, this would be a very different... Uh, don't get me excited, Trevor. <laughs> this would be a different world that we'd be talking about had the Lakers managed to do those things. Unfortunately, they didn't, and this is where we're at right now. Speaking of where we're at, though, let's talk about the standings. The Lakers right now sitting in the nine seed... They are a game and a half, though, behind the Clippers for the eight seed. And Frank Vogel actually talked about this today, talked about what their goals are for the season. Frank Vogel said they would like, in terms of the standings, they would like to make a push for the sixth seed. But he also recognized that it's not likely. They are six games right now behind the Denver Nuggets for the sixth seed. So chances are, with the amount of time left, you're not making a push for the sixth seed. Vogel then said, in lieu of that, what we would like to do is get up to seventh seed, eighth seed, right? 
because what you what you do if you are resigned to okay we're playing in the play-in tournament if you get to the seven seed or the eight seed you make it double elimination you get two opportunities to win one game and you're in if you were in the nine or ten seed it's single elimination you have to win two games you got to win them both otherwise you're out so right now the lakers sitting at ninth but the team sitting ahead of them again it's the clippers and there's a game and a half play difference, and the Lakers play them twice. So tonight's game against the Clippers is actually a pretty big deal. I know no Anthony Davis that's got a lot of Lakers fans down. The Clippers have been playing really well against the Lakers lately, but you get a win, you get two wins against the Clippers in the, the home stretch here, and you can change your fortunes very quickly. Now, I know a lot of people don't have a lot of faith in the Lakers right now. It's understandable. It's been a rough season, no question. But tonight's game, in terms of the standings, is pretty important to this team maximizing their potential, whatever that may be. Whatever that ceiling is, tonight's game is going to play a big factor in whether or not they get to at least show what they are on that playoff stage. I'm glad somebody else feels uh, slightly optimistic. <laughs> uh, if you guys haven't checked out, the Lakers Asia staff, we did in Twitter Spaces yesterday. <laughs> I went out on the limb and I said, if the Lakers had went on a run, goes on a run here, uh, I'm specifically looking at the next eight games where, in my opinion, I mean, outside of Golden State, that's probably the only one where, where I'm like, yeah, they're probably not winning, right? But I went on the limb and I said, hey, I think the Lakers could kind of ride the ship and maybe I'm taking these last two games out of proportion and what I'm watching is just false optimism. But I don't know, man. I think that they could go on a little run and change their season around. Is it too little too late to get that six seed that they want? Because, uh, you're, yeah, you're six and a half back, and you have 24 games left, I believe. So I think that's the biggest thing you have to ask. Is it too little too late? But, uh, I mean, I, I'm glad Frank is thinking this way because I, I definitely think they could go on a little run down the stretch. This is my, my biggest thing is the remainder of the season, whatever happens. And I, I, think, I think it's pretty mm -hmm. safe to say a championship, that ship has sailed. Um, I don't think that's a hot take at all. But – but what I want to see out of this Lakers team from here on out is you take what you play, the energy that you played with, the effort that you played with against Golden State, against the Jazz, and you figure out a way to do that on a night-to-night on -night basis. I want to see this team play hard for the remainder of the season, however long it is, whether that means you're out of the play-in tournament, whether that, that means you upset somebody, you get to the second round. We want to see this Lakers team go out there and play like they want to win the game. Like that is the most pressing thing on their mind because I don't think we've been able to say that throughout the course of the season and that's been a source of frustration for Lakers fans, seeing them not look fully engaged during games, particularly games against bad teams that they really needed to rack up those wins against and they did not and that's put them in the situation they're in right now. But I'd like to see them take what they've found, whatever it is that they've found, whatever that is that's given them this boost, this energy, maybe it's the trade deadline being passed, but you got to harness that and you got to find sustainability with it through the remainder of the season. At least, at least we could then say that this team went out firing on all cylinders and giving their best. Is their best good enough this season? Probably not, but at least you can say they went out guns blazing. And that's what I'd like to see. Boo. Trevor said this team can't win a championship. Boo. I'm joking. But no, man, like if the Lakers play with the same effort they played against Golden State and Utah the last two games post the trade deadline and going into the All-Star break, man, the Lakers, again, I keep referencing these next eight games because I really do think this is telling. 
or if there is like any glimpse of hope that you can just grab and snap, like just drag along with you through the remainder 16 games. But if they play with that stuff, that same level of effort and uh, will to win, if you want to call it that, throughout these next eight games, I mean, like Washington, Houston, and San Antonio will be locks if they're playing with that effort. And then I think they win three other ones. They're, they'll probably lose to the Clippers because it's the Lakers. And then they play Dallas really well. And then New Orleans. New Orleans is just a massive question mark with everything that's going on over there right now. Um, so, like, you, they could at least – I think they could very easily get six out of these next eight if they – if, big if, they play with the same effort and intensity level uh, level that they played with against Golden State and Utah. Well, you're you're a bit more optimistic than I am. If you've got six out of the next out of the next eight, but who knows? Hey, I, I, I'm more optimistic. Than uh, yeah, you're you're somehow now. more optimistic than Matt the optimist. But um, hopefully, it happens. I, I certainly would love to see it. All right, I, I want to close things out by jumping into the mailbag. I went over on to decided to go to Instagram this time. My Instagram uh, account at Trevor Lane NBA. Just threw it out there. Hey, we're recording a podcast. Ask us anything. So let's get into some of the the questions that we got, and. I got uh, Nick Nick Sasso24 said, do you see a scenario where Westbrook returns next year? Uh, yeah, I mean, if there's if the Lakers in this offseason don't find anybody that wants to take a $47 million contract from Russell Westbrook, yeah, he could wind up returning. I could also see a scenario where the energy level that we've seen from him, things start to click. Uh, we saw it again against Golden State and Utah. I thought he looked better in both of those two games. If that's what he shows the remainder of the season, I could see where the Lakers could say, well, maybe it's not the worst thing if he comes back. I do expect they would still try to trade him. They would do everything they can. But if there's just no workable trade out there for him, I could see Russell Westbrook back next season, and then he'd be a name we'd be talking about as a $47 million expiring on the uh, at the trade deadline of next season. So... It's not out of the question, as uncomfortable as it may be, because I know a lot of fans are assuming he gets moved this offseason. But uh, I I could see the Lakers winding up going down that path, but probably not by choice. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, uh, I was almost about to say no, no shot. But, I mean, I, I think it's obviously a possibility. Um, now, I'm not saying – and if he keeps playing this way, again, like you said it there, the Lakers might be tricked in a way to say, oh, well, it's not the worst thing in the world. But now, if that does happen, Russell Westbrook, nine times out of ten, isn't going to be worth $47 million next year. There's only, like, a small handful of, like, six, seven guys in the league – that and that's even kind of a lot 
they like are worth $47 million. Um, so, I mean, it, it's possible. I would still bet that Russ is traded mm-hmm. at, in the offseason and you could package yeah. him, and if not one, but both the 29. I, I would think this is what I fall back on. Most likely, if the Lakers decide Russ, the fit, it's just not working, whatever we see over the final 24 games, it's not going to work. Worst case, you go back to Houston because I bet that deal is probably still on the table. You go back to Houston. If you really decide yeah. we need to move forward and we and the Russ thing, it's not working. Worst case, you probably go back to Houston and you can talk John Wall and Russell Westbrook and see if you can work something out there. Um, okay. The clutch narrative it gets uh, resolved True. too, so everybody's True. happy. Uh, this question came in uh, from Hayden Huang said, should the Lakers trade Anthony Davis? If so, what's the best package? I also had a few people that asked, what would they get for LeBron James? So um, I don't I don't see trading Anthony Davis as something that makes sense. I think you'd be trading low on him right now. Somebody would have to really blow you away with an offer to move him at this point. Given the injuries, I think you would be selling low on, on AD. So I don't think that's something that, that makes a lot of sense for the Lakers. It would be, in my mind, it would be similar to a LeBron situation where AD would have to come to the Lakers, and I've said this a bunch, and say, please trade me in order for the Lakers to trade Anthony Davis. I just... I don't see it happening. If they were to trade him, it would signify, okay, it's rebuild time. They're probably looking at moving LeBron too. Maybe LeBron asks out. Then you're talking about getting stuff for the future, getting young players, picks, what have you. That's probably the path you're going down. I don't see them shipping out Anthony Davis for like, I don't know, Damian Lillard or or something like that. Yeah, this isn't NBA 2K, my GM mode or whatever, where you get to trade players at will with no consequences. Like, and, and Trevor, you and I know Ron has have been, like, big on this. Like, trading Anthony Davis just, like, willingly and not, like, it's probably because of the partnership, like, large and fault to the Lakers with Clutch, that almost everything, uh, like, there is a constant communication with Clutch. And, yeah, if if you just willingly trade Anthony Davis to anywhere, like you are potentially burning a bridge with clutch. So yeah, this is an NBA 2K where you can just go to Portland and say, Hey, here you go. Here's, here's Anthony Davis. And you don't have to worry about Rich Paul or anybody over at clutch to, uh, to be angry with you about. So yeah, like, 80s on you traded. Let's go to the Lakers. You're not going to have the money ball moment where you sit down with Carlos Pena and say, Carlos, you've been traded. You're not doing that with AD. You're not going to just, just sit down and surprise him and say, hey, guess what? You didn't know this, but we've been shopping you for the last month and we found a new home for you. Um, go enjoy Minnesota or, or something like that. I don't know. Where, wherever. Right, wherever, some, wherever some it is, um, you're not going to do that with Anthony Davis because of the clutch sports connection and all of that. I think that's important to note too, as you, as you mentioned, Sean. It's the, it's everything else that's wrapped up into that relationship. Why you're not going to go down that path again? It would take if LeBron and AD come to the Lakers and say, "Hey, it's not working. It's time to get out." And I I've been on record saying this. I I would have no ill will towards LeBron James if that's the decision that he made because in fact. He'd be helping the Lakers. If he's already decided in 2023, I'm not coming back, he'd be helping the Lakers out by telling them now so that they could try to get something in exchange for him. So no problem if that's the way it goes, but I don't think that's what anybody wants. I don't think that's what LeBron wants. I don't think it's what AD wants. I don't think it's what the Lakers want, so I don't see it happening. Uh, Let's finish with this one. Finish with this one. Uh, I've got 
if we play, this is our oh, Julian Arroyo said, if we play like we did the last two games, we'll get the seven seed. Agree. So that effort, that energy, if the Lakers play that way for the final 24 games, do they get the seven seed? Which I think could be important because then you're talking about if you get through in the first game, let's say you're the seven seed and you get the Blazers, right? Or no, you would get the, the Clippers. You'd be seven V eight. Uh, let's say you you jump into the Minnesota spot in the seventh seed. You get the Clippers in round one of the play-in tournament. You get the win. You move on. Then you're getting the Golden State Warriors and not the Phoenix Suns. So I think it actually matters getting up to that seven or eight seed because that would give you that, mm-hmm. that chance to avoid. I'm talking about starting from the seven or eight seed. It gives you the chance to avoid seeing the Suns in round one, which I think I'd rather see the, the Warriors. I still wouldn't pick the Lakers to win the series, but I'd rather see the Warriors than the Suns. Um, so if the Lakers are playing this way, they are four games back of the Timberwolves. Can they make up that much ground if they play with the kind of energy that they have been? Absolutely. Um, I, I definitely think so. Um, they have another game against them on the road. Now, they haven't played well against them at all this year. Wolves beat the Grizzlies tonight. That's going to be throw big. That, in. <laughs> that yeah, doesn't help. Yeah. That doesn't Shaw help. Shaw had a little injury. That doesn't help. That's, come on, Trevor. I'm trying to be optimistic here. Uh, I'm joking. Uh, but, you know, you have another big game up against them. And they have five games coming up down the stretch against teams that they're trying to catch up against, if you will, in, in quotation marks. Like, you have the two games against the Clippers. You have two more games against Denver, and then you have that Minnesota game. Those five games, I mean, again, I get it. Every game on the stretch is huge. And with this Lakers game, with this Lakers team, the Rockets game in a couple games are, is going to be huge because, I mean, you never know. The Lakers might blow point lead. Oh, wait, never mind. That's Oklahoma City Thunder. Never mind. My bad. We're, we're, we're good, Trevor. We're good. Let's um, let's hope. Let's hope. I, I, I think that's even going to be tough, moving up to that seventh seed. But to me, just get to the eighth seed. Just get to the eighth seed. You're on the road in yeah. the in the play-in tournament to start, but that's okay. Give yourself a shot. Give yourself a shot at being in a double elimination scenario. Give yourself a shot at seeing Golden State in round one instead of Phoenix, and then you go from there. So I think getting up to the eighth seed is a realistic goal. The seventh seed, it could happen, but it's tough. The sixth seed, I just I just don't see it. I don't see that happening. All right, um, let's, Sean, why don't we wrap things up there? But Lakers Nation, give us your thoughts on all the stuff we've been talking about. What do you expect to see against the Clippers uh, tonight in that game? What do you think about the Lakers moving forward this season? What are you hoping to see now that Anthony Davis is out? What are you hoping to see this team do down the home stretch these final 24 games? Can they make up the kind of ground that they need to in order to get up to the seventh seed or the eighth seed? Sean, thanks so much for, for coming on here and, and joining me. This was fun. Yeah, it's always fun to talk Lakers basketball with you. Appreciate you, man. Always a good time, even during a difficult season. Lakers Nation, make sure you guys are subscribing to the LakersNation.com YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well. And the podcast, make sure you're following on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Till next time, stay safe and see ya. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.